He's not just living, he's victorious. And he has a victory for you and me every day, no matter what we face. We don't have to face it alone. He's there with you and for you to cause you to be an overcomer in all things. Amen? Amen. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Well, you can take a couple of minutes, turn and greet some folks around you, and then I'll call you back if I can. God. Happy Fourth. We celebrate independence or freedom or liberty. And, and we have been given so much in this country, and, and we need to appreciate it, protect it, celebrate it, and continue to, to extend it to the people around us. Amen. Um, before we get to the word today, I just want to say to Jordan. Uh, as one who represents all the graduates. You know, uh, this is an amazing time. We've got the graduates and their families. We've got some family over here that had a graduate. Um, And it's a great accomplishment. It's an amazing thing. It's It's not just you as graduates. There's a whole group around you that has helped you, but you've done your part. And, and, Jordan, I was reading about her in the paper. If you get the wrong paper, you'll read things about her on a regular basis. Uh, but she has been used by God to do some great things. She was the first one, first student to be on the uh, school board. And that was, that was God making a way for her. But she, she was allowing God to use her in a way that was really impacting. And uh, it's, it's no different than any of the rest of us. You know, all of us have an opportunity, no matter where we are, what's going on, what's happening, to be able to allow God to use us in situations that might not be the first thought that we're there because of God, but we are. We're there because of God. And, and there's such connection uh, that God has us to connect with other people and in that connection to impart and pack their lives for eternity. Amen? Well, today we're going to continue on and, and talk about unity. And, and the only way we could experience uh, unity is, is through love. And we've looked at this and we know that, that uh, the unity that, that God intends us to have in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. All right? So above all, we clothe ourselves with love. And this love is, so many times we talk about love. And uh, we have had our grandson with us for a while. And it's been very interesting because he'll tell us we, he loves certain things. And we realize that that's just like us. We say we love a lot of things, but in looking at how we really relate to to the different things, there's no one and nothing that we should love like we love God. You know, that's the first thing. The 
the, Jesus was asked, what's, what's the great, greatest commandment? And, and his response was, to love who? God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But there's, there's a priority there, loving God. And as we love God, we begin to open ourselves up. When you love someone, you open yourself up to them and you become more intimate with them. Um, as we love God, we open ourselves up to God to become more intimate with him, uh, to receive all that he has for us so that we can be all that he has for us to be and then do all he has for us to do. But when we talk about this love, this love is not what most people speak about when they speak about love. This love is agape love. And uh, this love is a selfless, sacrificial, serving love. That's, that's who God is, and that's how he, he lives, how he exists. He, he is selfless, he's sacrificial, he's serving. Um, God so loved, he gave his son. For who? For all of us. Whether we knew it or not, he just did it because that love is unconditional. There's no conditions. He makes a choice. He does what he does, no matter what anybody else does. And that love frees us. That love really is the, the um, fountain and foundation of, of freedom and, and unity and life. And today we're going to continue on and look at some of the uh, aspects of this love because we know that we're, we're expecting great revival, but that revival doesn't come without unity and that unity doesn't come without love. And today we're gonna look at some scriptures and look at some, some characteristics that would cause us and others to experience love uh, as we express the love of God that's been given to us. But before we do, let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. And we don't even know all that you've done, all that you're doing, but Father, we know all of it is good. And so, Father, today we look to you, we open our hearts, our minds to you that, Father, you would be able to speak to us your word that is life and health to those who find it, your word that is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Father, your word uh, that is truth, that brings freedom, but your word says that we don't use that freedom for serving ourselves or our, our own selfish desires, but to serve you and to serve others. So, Father, we thank you today for the transformation that would come as your word goes forth. And, Father, I thank you for the privilege and honor to be able to address your children, the body of Christ that, Father, we would grow in your grace and in your knowledge and become all that you have for us to become so that we can do all that you have for us to do. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So when it, when it says this love, close yourself with this love, this is the agape love. It's, it's who God is. And, and we know this, but it's, it bears repeating because we hear about love through people speaking about it, singing about it, um, making references to it, and it's not 
what this is. This love is very different, and it comes from God alone. It originates in God. It's not anything that you and I have in and of ourselves. Until we come in relationship with God, we can't ex express this love because it's not something that is indwelling or innate in us until God comes to dwell in us. But God's word says, and these are, some of these aren't going to be up on your screen, but it says in Jeremiah 31, 13, I have loved you with an everlasting love and drawn you with my loving kindness. This love is unchanging. It's everlasting. And this is the love that we're supposed to clothe ourselves with that is unchanging no matter what anybody else does. And how many of you know that's not natural? It's supernatural. It's a supernatural endowment from God. And uh, what that love indwelling in us requires is us changing from the way we've loved in this world before we had Christ to how God loved us and continues to love us. We're supposed to love one another. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also should love one another. That, that is something that when I read that, I, I, I become uncomfortable because now God has given me a marker to, to hit, to shoot for, to love others as he has loved us. And, and again, this is going to require change in me. It's going to require change in us because we have loved conditionally. We've loved with with different types of expectations that if they weren't met, we might draw back in our love. But God never draws back in his love. He never changes. He always is constant in his love for us. It's selfless, sacrificial, unconditional. And when we love with agape love, we enlarge our world. When we love with the love of the world, we begin to diminish our world. It, it makes our world smaller. But uh, what we call love in our world today is really nothing more than just polite selfishness. I'm going to say that again. What we call love in our world today is nothing more than polite selfishness. Now, when I say that, you may say, well, that's, that's, that's hard to believe. But listen. When we say or people say, I love you, it's based on conditions many times. I love you because you're attractive. I love you because you're rich. I love you because you meet my needs. I love you because you fulfill my desires. These are all conditions that if, if those conditions aren't met, that love starts to decrease or is held back. Uh, I love you when you're fun. I love you when you're interesting. I love you when you're not too much trouble or too difficult. I love you when I feel like it. I love you when it doesn't cost me too much. You know, I, I, I wrote these things down because I have been guilty of all of these. Where I have said I've loved, but when something is too difficult or... or or I don't get what I want. Sometimes I want to pull that love back, and that's very, very telling that I'm not operating in the agape love of God. And I need to make an adjustment in my life. I need to recognize that 
God's told me I'm to love as he's loved me. And immediately when I, when I say those things or I, I, I read those things or I'm reminded of what Jesus has said, I realize I'm incapable apart from him. But that's where we, we recognize. The Bible says in Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So we have the source of that love, whether we allow the source of that love, which is God, the Holy Spirit, to have his way in our lives, is whether we'll really walk in this agape love or not. And God's love doesn't change. It's unconditional. It's expressed in a constant characteristics and actions. Uh, as we look at how God's love is expressed and experienced, uh, we're supposed to keep that at the forefront of our, our hearts and our minds so that we can walk in this. And we, we looked at this. This is one of the foundational scriptures of what we have been studying in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, it tells us the characteristics of this love. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with. We've talked about compassion or, or uh, tenderhearted mercy. Kindness, humility. Today we're going to look at gentleness. And it says patience. Gentleness. When I say gentleness, is that something that we think a lot about? Another, another word for gentleness is meekness. Um, when I say the word meekness, what do you think? What, what comes to mind? Shy. Okay. Quiet. If you're meek, how do you think things are going to go for you? You know, a lot of times people think with meekness or with gentleness, uh, it's weakness. If, if you're meek or you're gentle, you're going to be taken advantage of. You're going to be run over. Anybody here have that perspective besides me? But I have to tell you how wrong that is in relationship to what the Word of God is saying. Meekness or gentleness is strength under control. Strength under control. When, when I was thinking about where I hear the word gentle, be gentle, be gentle, and, and I remember when our son and daughter-in-law brought our granddaughter home. And our grandson, Tristan, was there. And they were taking Elan to let Tristan hold her. And the thing I heard over and over was, be gentle, be gentle. And the reason why that was is Tristan had more power than Elan. He could overpower her. He could injure her. He could hurt her. But they were saying, with all the power you have, with all the ability you have, do not be injuring or hurtful or harmful to your little sister. So if we're going to be gentle, if we're going to walk in a way that's gentle, we're not going to be hurtful. We're not going to be harmful. God, God is gentle, and, and we know that his, his characteristic is gentleness. Um, that gentleness is power or strength under control or submitted or guided. Um, two examples of this 
when you think about it, is a river. When, when we think about a river, when a river is guided through a turbine, it produces benefits to others, electricity. When it's not guided and it overflows its banks, what's the result? Yeah, floods. Floods and destruction, it, it does damage. And that's where there's power. There's innate power in a river. It's just how it's used. There's power in your life and my life. It's just how it's used. How are we going to use the power that we have? We have natural power, but we also have spiritual power. And we have to be aware that we need to walk in a way that's gentle because when we're gentle, it facilitates, it promotes unity. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody was gentle with you when they didn't have to be. I've been in, in a variety of situations like that, and not always at the moment, but usually happens afterwards that I'm very aware that that person did better to me than probably what I deserved. They didn't give me what I deserved. They were, they were merciful with me, they were gracious with me, and they were gentle with me. And, and it just overwhelms you when that happens. Another example is a horse. A horse that's wild and self-willed and free. You know, we, we are celebrating our independence, our, our freedom. But just like I shared with you earlier, the Bible says don't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh or to serve yourself or your desires. But by love, serve one another. There's... there's a freedom that can be wild, can be injurious and dangerous and deadly, and that's where we need to recognize, yeah, we live in a country that has great freedom, but we can't, we shouldn't allow that freedom to be just directed by us. That freedom needs to be directed by God and for what God intended it to be, which is always to uh, draw people to himself. This gentleness in, in Scripture, these won't be up on your screen, but in Philippians 4, 5, it says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This is part of what should be happening in the days we're living in. The return of the Lord is imminent, and we should be revealing gentleness to all people. But in the days we're living in and what's going on, I'm watching so many Christians ignore gentleness gentleness is not a part of their lives we get so caught up in so many things that are going on and we're so passionate about so many things but with all of our passion what should we be most passionate about without it being close to anything else what should our passion be Yeah, Christ, God. And yet, and I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. But I'm trying to help us see that there's a deception that's going on in our society, in our country, in our world. That is causing people to abandon the preeminence of Christ. Of his character, of his, his characteristics, of his way, of what he's called us to and become almost detoured, 
off into things that are not eternal, are not going to make an eternal difference. And that's the only reason why we're here. As Christians, we're here after we get saved to be a witness, to draw people to Christ. And yet, many times, we, we fall prey to the enemy's tactics and become sidetracked. And we need to be showing these characteristics of God who is love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, With all humility and gentleness, bear with one another in love. 1 Timothy 6, 11, it says, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Again, this is something that I, I don't know about you, but I know that I don't always think about gentleness as much as I should, but I'm becoming very aware that I have a choice every time I interact with people how I'm going to be. Am I going to be gentle, power or strength under control, or am I just going to react? My tendency is to just react. Um, but gentleness promotes unity. Without, without the love and the characteristics that this love is expressed as, one of them being gentleness, we're not going to have unity. Until, until we walk in this love that God has, the unity won't be what God intended and the revival won't be the way God intended it to be. It's going to be. God's going to have revival, but it's whether I'm going to be a part of it because I choose to walk in this or not and whether we choose to walk in this or not. And so in, in this situation, we recognize that this love, we talked about love covering a multitude of sins. When somebody isn't doing what we want, when somebody isn't uh, kind to us, we have a choice in that moment. I have a choice. You have a choice. What are we going to do? I used to tell God how I was and how I couldn't change. Um, my, one of my biggest challenges in life, and it still flares up, is that I would get angry real quickly. Now, my name, Jeffrey, means peace. <laughs> but it was like the enemy was determined that I was not going to be a peacemaker. Uh, and so this anger would rise up, and it would rise up quickly, and it would be expressed in some very violent ways. And I'm not proud to say this, but I was, people knew that if I got really angry, this was known in college, if I got really angry, I would punch walls and holes in walls and do all sorts of things. And, and I remember when Debbie and I got married, I, <laughs> it didn't change. And it was something that she called me out on and she should have. And I said, well, I just can't change. That's the way I am. God knows that's the way I am. That's the way he made me. Until I found out what the scripture says. And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I had a challenge in that moment. Am I going to believe what the scripture says? Or am I going to use an excuse to continue to do what I've always done and be what I've always been? Folks, there's no end in the change that God has for us. It's a transformation. It's a growth. It's a going from glory to glory. And yet some of us have put our feet in and said, God, that's it. That's just who I am. I'm not going any further. I can't go any further. And that's because we're being deceived. We're believing a lie. 
But with God, what's possible? And you can do what? All things. Yeah, you, you can't leave that off. You, we can't just say, I can do all things. That's not true. The truth is you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and he strengthens you to do certain things. You can't, do, you can't be an Olympic athlete if that's not what God has for you to be. Okay, that was real good. Um, if, if he does, you have to put in the work. But as far as being gentle and being loving and being kind and being merciful and being patient and being humble, all of those things are possible. But we have to trust Christ for it. We have to rely on God, look to God, submit to God. Just as, as this gentleness is strength under control, the things that we have have to be under Christ's control, under the control of Holy Spirit. And then we're able to walk in this love and cover. This gentleness covers when people are not dealing with us the way we want to be dealt with, not doing to us what we think we deserve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, in the New Translation, New Testament for everyone, it says this, when we are slandered, we speak gently in return. Now, that's just a normal response, correct? Sure. Sure. Wait until the next time you hear somebody say something about you. And, and what... What happens when, when somebody slanders you, when somebody speaks something against you or about you, and whether it's true or it's not true, what happens inside us? Anger, defensiveness. Is, is there any aggression? Do, do we want some revenge? Do we want to right that wrong? You guys are tough this morning. It's, it's these times as we're talking about this, this is a time for us to all look at our lives and say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not where God has for me to be, but not just check out and say, I'm not where God has for me to be. I'll never be there. I used to do that with anger. Not where God has for me to be. I'll never be there. I just can't do it because my eyes were on me. But we've got to recognize we're not doing this alone. I, when I finally came to the understanding that I didn't have to conquer anger alone. And I couldn't. I kept telling God, I can't. It just happens. It just happens, you know, before I know it. And slowly but surely, when I was willing to listen and, and be informed by God, I recognized that my anger had elevations. There would be a a frustration and it would increase and increase and increase and increase and increase until it just blew. And, and the way God got it through to me is it's like a highway. You can keep going at the speed you're going and when the highway ends, you're going to crash. Or you can take an off-ramp anywhere along the way. Take that off-ramp from anger and choose to de-escalate. And it was, it was something that I had to choose to do. But with this, when we're slandered, we've got to choose what we're going to do. And because we so often just do what we've always done, 
How many of you know if you do what you always done, you've always done, you're going to get what you always got? And if we don't like what we're getting, we need to make an adjustment. We need to make that change. And so when we're slandered, we speak gently in return. Now, that's going to require us not to give in to us. Isn't it? Hello? Okay. All right. I just... So if we don't give in to us, that's where Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. When Jesus went to the cross, whose will was he doing? Whose guidance was he following? The Father. And how, how enjoyable was it for him? I know, ridiculous question, but it really... It's important that we get the understanding. He said, Father, if this can pass away, let it pass away. But not my will, your will be done. So the very process that Jesus experienced going to the cross is the process we experience every time in this kind of situation or any kind of situation. We're going to have to deny ourselves. We're going to have to say, God, not my will, not what is common to me, what, not, not what is normal to me. Your will be done. So when I'm slandered, I can't just do what I want to do, which is I just want to go ballistic. I need to speak gently in return. And it's going to have to be by the grace of God, by the empowering presence of God. No longer can I rely on me. Now I have to rely on God. That's that strength under control there's a strength we have in and of ourselves humanly speaking that now has to be under the control of god and then it will produce what god intends and it becomes very mechanical very um intentional initially but then it becomes second nature as we continue to do what god has for us to do the way he has for us to do it and the reason why we speak gently is this. Proverbs 15, verse 1, says, A gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause more anger. Now, we know that. It's hard to fight with somebody who doesn't fight. It is. And, and if we don't just not fight, but we gently speak back, it begins to diffuse the whole situation. It de-escalates it. But if we give back in kind, there's a war of escalation. We all experience this. We all know this. That if somebody gets mad at us and we do what we are prone to doing, what we feel like doing, what we've usually done, and we get mad back at them, then what should we expect from them? More madness. And it gets crazy quickly. But that's why it says a gentle answer will calm a person's anger. Now, you may not see it immediately, but I guarantee that that if you will speak gently to somebody who's being very angry at you or, or slanderous or not what you deserve and you speak gently back to them, they may not immediately say, wow, okay, I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you this, God's going to use that 
when they go to continue to prick their heart. And just look at your own life, if that's ever happened with you. I, I have seen that happen in my life a number of times. And God is so faithful to convict me in those moments afterwards when I, in my pride, don't want to acknowledge that somebody's done the right thing and I'm still mad and I want to do what I want to do. God will not leave me alone. And that's good. It's good for me and it's good for others. Proverbs 25, 15 says this. Patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome what? Any problem. Could we say every problem? Same thing? Do you believe that? I'm calling you out. Because when I read this, I struggled. I was like, any problem? Whose word is this? God's word. Does God lie? Then this is truth. Just as true as you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, this is true to say patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome any problem. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. As, as a believer, are we supposed to walk by what we see? We're supposed to walk by faith. And, and where is faith's focus? In God's word. So we have something that we can hold on to. We can begin to just tenaciously hang on to and say, I'm going to walk in patience and gentleness in my interaction with people and believe that God is going to work out every problem. Oh, I was hoping you'd get excited about that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a choice. See, that's where we, we, all of us, I include myself, I, I know a lot of the word, but am I really believing what the word says? Am I expecting what the word of God says? Because if, if I'm hearing the word and I'm not expecting what the word says, then I'm deceiving myself. And where there's deception, there is. And if there's loss in my life, there's going to be loss in Debbie's life. There's going to be loss in all my friends' lives, in your lives. Because I'm being robbed. And the same is true for all of us. When you're being robbed, I'm being robbed. And that's what the enemy's after. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and life more abundant. And the way we have that abundant life is we walk in love and we walk in gentleness and we walk in compassion and mercy and kindness and humility and patience. These are the things that are so important for us to walk in in these days. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, in the Living Bible, it says this, be humble when you're trying to teach those who are all, who are mixed up concerning the truth. Do you run into anybody in these days that is mixed up concerning the truth? 
Now, please understand, it's not my truth or your truth. We're talking about the one and only real truth. And, and what is the one and only real truth? God's word. Scripture says your word is truth. And so there are a lot of people that are really mixed up. I can't tell you how many people I have conversations with that have some of the most crazy ideas about all sorts of things. I mean, I, it, Pastor Gabe and I have, have had conversations about this and how shocking it is, really shocking. We live in America. We have the freedom to carry Bibles. We have the freedom to go to church. We have the freedom to turn on television, radio, buy all sorts of books and CDs and DVDs about the Scripture, and people are believing all sorts of things that are not true. And we know what the Bible says. You'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. It'll set you free and keep you free. But if that's what the truth does, what is not the truth will not set you free. It will imprison you, and it'll keep you imprisoned. And there are all sorts of people that are mixed up about the truth. When we look at our society and we see what our society celebrates, what it pursues, what it values, it's mixed up about the truth. And some people don't want to know the truth because they want to continue to do what they want to do. But that's going to cause them to become more imprisoned and more overcome by darkness. And so... Humble, be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. When you're talking to somebody and they don't agree with you, is your tendency like mine that I want to make it more forceful? If somebody's not listening, I tend to want to elevate my volume. I guess it's just me. I want to try and overwhelm them and yet... We will never overwhelm, we'll never win a battle by doing the things that are against God's word. But you cannot fail to win when you and I do it God's way. It may not be in the moment that we're looking at it, expecting it to happen right before our eyes, but God and his way will never lose. And that's why we have, we, I say, I keep saying we have to, and I apologize we don't have to do anything, but we should. We should. We should be humble when we're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. But it's frustrating, isn't it? Parents, you know what it's like trying to teach your kids some things when they think they know it all and they don't. And all we're trying to do, man, I, this is so neat. And that's kind of weird, but it's, it is. It's so neat to watch my son deal with his kids. <laughs> it's, it's one of those twisted joys that I have when I see him trying to get through. And he, I, I have to say, he and his wife do a much better job than I ever did. But... He still gets frustrated at times. And, and, you know, I just am like, yep, 
I know what that's like. I did that with you. <laughs> but when, we, when we're dealing with people who are mixed up, do they know they're mixed up? Do they know they're deceived? If you don't think you're mixed up and you don't think you're deceived, how likely are you to allow somebody else to speak to you? Now, I've said this before, but every one of us has to have somebody in our lives who can tell us something that we either don't believe or don't, don't agree with and be very considering of it. Now, I'm not saying that they would guide us in everything, but if they're, they're confronting us, they're addressing something in our life that they're saying, you know what, you, you, you may be a little off base. You, you need to consider this from the word of God and maybe make some adjustments. We really need to have people in our lives that are that way because none of us know it all and can do it all. Amen? It goes on to say, for if you talk meekly and courteously to them, they are more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. Again, part of what my heart breaks up over, and I can't imagine what God is dealing with, how, how this is affecting him. But when we as Christians, so-called followers of Christ, are not meek or gentle, and courteous and we try and get our points across the way the world tries to get their point across and, and we just escalate and elevate in volume and in ferocity and all these other things we're using the world's way to try and win God's battle and it's not going to happen it absolutely won't happen that's where when we are gentle or meek and courteous. God can help them turn from their wrong ideas and believe the truth. And what will the truth do? Yeah, it'll bring them out into freedom. And that's what God wants because the greatest freedom we can know is the freedom that Christ gives us. As much as we celebrate Independence Day, and the freedom we have in this country. And we need to, we need to appreciate it. Um, but there is a greater freedom. And that's the freedom that God gives. The Apostle Paul wrote about that freedom. And he wrote it from prison. Which in most cases people would say, how can you write about freedom when you're incarcerated? Because our freedom doesn't depend on our surroundings. None of our surroundings can stop the freedom that God's given us. There's a freedom that goes beyond what we experience and it's a freedom that God brings us into and continues to keep us in. I want to read one more scripture and that's it's not going to be up on your, your screens but it's in Titus chapter 3 verse 1 through 5. It says, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone, must avoid quarreling instead they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone once we too were foolish disobedient we were misled and deceived and became slaves of many lusts and pleasures our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other 
But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. Now, as I read this, I know that there are going to be people that have real, real reservations. But this is not my word. This is God's word. And when it says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers, they should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. We're in a time right now that there is a lot of things going on. And we have always promoted and supported the fact that we're supposed to be as submissive as we can be to those that are in authority because the Bible tells us all those that are in authority are there placed by God. But we know that all those that are in authority placed by God don't always do what God wants. Is that correct? And, and when we interact with, with the authority that God's placed there, we need to realize we did a series by John Bevere, a couple of series, uh, Undercover and Honor's Reward. We did it a while back, and I think it was good preparation for where we are right now. Um, but if, if that authority is not telling us to do something that's unscriptural, unethical, illegal, or immoral, then we need to be very considerate of what they're saying. We need to honor their authority. Because if God's placed them there, we, we need to show honor to whom honors do. But the moment that authority starts to tell us to do anything that is immoral, unethical, unscriptural, then we continue to submit to God and to his truth. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. What I believe that, that I've been sharing because I believe God's desired and, and directed me to share these things. These have been some of the most difficult messages And there's been, as always, a battle going on in all of our lives. But I believe because of the times we're in and the things that we are surrounded by and we face and we are immersed in, we have to be very, very aware of whether we're aligning with Scripture or we're doing it because of any other reason. When we depart from scripture, we depart from truth. We depart from life. The Bible says his word is life and health. There's a price to pay when we take a detour from God's word. And we all do. This is not an isolated just a few. We all at times choose something other than God and his word, his truth and his ways. And yet we have 
no excuse, no reason that we can stand on and justify or rationalize departing from him. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we have to look at our lives daily and determine, are we following God who is love? Are we walking in, in the characteristics of love? Are we being patient? Are we being kind? Are we being compassionate and merciful? Are we being humble and gentle? Because if we're not, we're, we're without even realizing it, we're putting ourselves in a place where the enemy has every right to rip us off. And if we come to that realization, which we all come to at various points and times, because we're, we're so easily led astray. We have to come to that place of repentance and saying, God, I recognize I'm, I'm not tracking with you. I'm not in line with what your word says and your ways are. And I ask you to forgive me. And then turn back. Repentance requires not just a recognition. It's a turning back to align ourselves and, and walk in the things that he has for us to walk in. And so right now, I'm just going to ask you, this is not about anybody else. This is about you. If God has pricked your heart about anything today, don't, don't just let it kind of pass by. That's a God moment. It, it's uncomfortable. But it's designed by God to help reorient us to the place where our lives are, are continuing to go from glory to go, glory. We're continuing to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. We're be, continuing to become more like Jesus and reveal him more clearly and more consistently to those around us. And it's a moment in time that you, each of us, has with God. God, I recognize in my life that I fall short, but I'm so grateful that you love me, you love all of us, no matter when we fall short, no matter when we go off track, no matter what we do, your love is always there because you're always there. It doesn't change. But Father, I want, and I believe we want, to show you that we do love you. We love you first and we love you foremost. We love you more than we love ourselves. We love you more than we love others. But Father, as we love you, Lord, you said, as we love you, we'll keep your commands. You've commanded us to love one another as you have loved us. 
you have revealed to us in your word were to walk in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience in a time among a people that that is not characteristic of. But Father, you've told us we're supposed to be peculiar, different. Father, help us not be isolated, but be insulated from the world we live in. Help us to be indwelt and empowered by you, your spirit, that the fruit of the spirit would be very evident and growing in our lives. That your character and characteristics, your ways, the ways of your kingdom would be revealed in our daily lives. That those around us would see Jesus lifted up and drawn unto him. We thank you. Thank you for the good work that you've begun in us. That you're faithful to complete. Not that you would do it alone, but Father, that we would be willing, available, yielded, submissive, following you. We would be gentle. That strength under control. That strength that's submitted. That we would be able to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow you. And we thank you. We thank you. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Thank you, Father, for freedom that's coming. Thank you for the empowering presence of Holy Spirit to cause us to be able to live this abundant life, this victorious life, a life not dominated by the characteristics of the world because you said we're in this world, not of this world, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so, Father, we want to be your people that are led by your spirit that reveal your character and your kingdom to all we come in contact with. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? God has such great things ahead for every one of us. Things we could never imagine or dream. Things we could never attain to on our own. But he invites us and offers us the opportunity to be able to be beyond what anybody ever believed we could be except him. Now, it was what was said about the disciples. They looked at them and they said, these are unlearned men. But they had been with Jesus. The more time we spend with God, allowing God to have his way in us, People are going to be amazed, and that amazement is going to cause them to see Christ like never before, and that's what they need to see in these days. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of your children. I thank you for your presence in them. I thank you for your plan for them that's for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope. 
I thank you for your power that is in residence. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in them. That not only quickens her body, but energizes them to live in a way that would reveal your fruit, your character, and your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that no matter what they face this week, you've already gone ahead of them and prepared the way. And as we face whatever we face, we remember we don't face it alone. You are there with us. You are there for us. And there is nothing that can stand against us. So, Father, we don't fear what we encounter this week. We face it in faith and in confidence knowing that you will cause us to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors through Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. And so we thank you, Father, for this. We thank you for the freedom that you've given us in this country. But, Father, far more we thank you for the freedom we have in Christ every day, everywhere, in everything. And we praise you and thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week.